Again, we say welcome to you. Uh, my friend Billy Scheel, uh, he and I have uh, known each other for decades, which means we're getting old. And uh, he is, uh, has been a business owner, a businessman in our city. He is from Tomball, so we all grew up in this area, my wife and I, and uh, knowing Billy growing up. And uh, God's called him into uh, a church planting and he uh, loves the Lord and loves our city and believes that uh, uh, the church uh, is the great hope uh, for the gospel to be spread. And so uh, he will, uh, God willing, in the next year, plant a church in our city. And so he's a part of the Houston Church Planting Network. And we haven't talked a ton about this, but the Houston Church Planting Network is dozens of churches in our city who believe that we need more churches, not less. And although we're going to be planting churches, uh, planting other Bayou City fellowships, we also want to contribute to other church plants. And so we've partnered, Bayou City Fellowship is a part of this group of churches uh, that wants to see uh, gospel teaching, Jesus-loving churches in uh, Houston, Texas, and surrounding areas. And so Billy is a part of this, which means he's getting training and equipping, and they're walking alongside him as he prays and prepares to plant a church. So Bayou City, uh, would you welcome our friend Billy Shield this morning? All right, what's up, Bayou City? Good seeing you all this morning. Thank you, Robbie. Robbie's right. We are getting old. We've known each other for a long time. I grew up in Tomball. Uh, Some of you may actually live out in Tomball, but I grew up in Tomball. Family heritage, German settlers back in the 1800s and uh, farming folks. And so I've benefited from all that. But Tomball is a great place. And like he said, currently uh, in the HCPN church planting residency. And that's a 12-month program. Uh, like you said, with dozens of churches um, around who come together to reach every man, woman, and child with the gospel by planting more churches that can build healthy congregants, that can plant more churches, plant more churches, and let people meet uh, the life-giving love and, and power of Jesus, right, as we plant more churches. I have a lovely wife, and I think they will be here in the next service. Uh, four children, and my wife and I met when we were 12. So... That ex- Robbie and, and Liz, I've actually known Liz since like fourth grade, and I think she outran me on the school field, but uh, <laughs> it's good to have longtime friends like that, and it's, it is a blessing to uh, be with you today, and to, when, you're, when you're a church planner and you're in the process of thinking about planting a church, it's always good to have opportunities to preach the word and to minister and to be with God's people in worship, and that's really my heart is to just see God move today through his word as we depend solely on him to teach us his spirit to empower us, equip us, uh, to lead us to following him. And for those of you who grew up in church, today lands us in a familiar passage. Mark, you guys have been walking through Mark, and so we're going to continue that today. Mark chapter 10, we close out the chapter, and we'll be in verses 46 through 52 today. But if you grew up in church or you've been in church for a little bit, You know this text, and you remember this story that's given in our text today. Um, If you're not uh, in church, you're visiting with us today, we welcome you in today. And if you're here just exploring Christ or you're trying to make a sense of what's going on with this Jesus guy, man, I, I hope that you will today, as we journey through the scriptures, be enlightened to the real person and power of Jesus today in the story of the Gospels in Mark chapter 10. And so what we see uh, in Mark chapter 10, we'll work through the, the story of blind Bartimaeus, verses 46 through 52. What I want to do is I want to read it, and then 
We'll pray, and then we'll work through and unpack it together and, and let the Spirit of God teach us, equip us, encourage us. Let's read if you have your uh, Bibles or devices, whatever you use to study the Word. Let's jump in at verse 46. And they came to Jericho, and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, take heart, get up, he is calling to you. Verse 50, and throwing off his cloak, he sprang up. And came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, Go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. Would you pray with me? Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you that you've given us a revelation of who you are delivered it to us, and you've given us your spirit to enlighten us to who you are, to what you've called us to. Thank you, God, now that you would come. Teach us by the power of your spirit. Father, let us learn more about who you are. Encourage us. Equip us to be your ambassadors, your vessels in the earth. We pray today, God, minister to your church, your people today. In Jesus' name, amen. So from all the way across the world in Dubai and over to Denver, from Los Angeles to all the way to London, and even in Houston and Cyprus and in reaches of Tomball, we know panhandlers gather around under overpasses in major cross-sections of our city. Think about Post Oak and Westheimer. Think about 59 freeway over across from Minute Maid Park. Large gatherings of homeless people and those who gather seeking sustenance, seeking some form of monetary gift day in, day out. And sometimes they may even get on our nerves, right, as we go by, and we're just trying to get on our way, fast-paced, trying to get things done. But we're familiar with that. I was reading in New York City, they say that there's 4,000 beggars, panhandlers within the city on any given day trying and searching and begging for something that will sustain them, give them hope for the next moment, that next hour, that next day. In Houston alone, there's over 5,500 homeless people. And those people, if you noticed, are coming more and more out into our areas. And so we know that this is a real problem. It's been going on since the beginning of civilizations. We see it all throughout the Gospels. We see in Jesus' journeys throughout that he is ministering to these Homeless people, beggars, the lowlifes, right? These are cast out people of society. And that's what we find here today as we jump into the text in Mark chapter 10. When verse 46, Jesus and his disciples, I'm going to put a map up for you that kind of sets the context for where we are. Uh, Jesus making his final descent into Jerusalem for Passover. Um, at the top, they made their way down, and then they tried to go through Samaria. Some may say that they were blocked and had to come around, and then they come down through to Jericho. Now, this is a different city than what was Jericho uh, in the Old Testament. It's about 15 miles south of that. 
But this city was a pretty stellar city. It was a highway. It was a great place for people who were journeying into Jerusalem to stop off and get refreshed and get nourished. It was a place where Herod the Great actually set up his winter palace to go and retreat. And it was beautiful with palm trees, and he would enjoy his time there. And so many people coming through this area, which makes for a great place for panhandlers to hang out, right? So that they could meet these people, they could beg for what they needed. And so we have set here the stage for where we're going, and as Jesus is in the final week of his life, moving towards that Palm Sunday, and then ultimately to the cross, where he does for all of us what only he could do in paying for our sins and dying and then raising up on that third day. And so we have it said here, as they came to Jericho, and as they made their way through, they're leaving on their way out to Jerusalem, coming towards Bethany. Verse 46, it says, He was leaving with his disciples and a great crowd. So we have a throng of people following him. That same throng, of course, would soon be yelling, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, right? So it's this throng of people following him. And Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, Mark tells us, is the son of Timaeus. Now, Bar, if you remember, means son of Timaeus. So Bartimaeus. And you remember Barjona, son of John, Simon Barjona. Same thing. And Mark, what he does here is he repeats himself to help those Gentile Christians that he was writing to that may not have been familiar with Jewish customs or how... They worked with the naming of these names. And so he repeats himself and says, Bartimaeus is there, a blind beggar, son of Timaeus. He was sitting by the roadside. So we have this picture of this throng. And you can imagine Bartimaeus had been sitting there for a long time. Think about an area of town. I know there's one area particularly where I drive through and I see the same person there day after day after day. Right? This is the picture we have. Bartimaeus sitting on the road right outside of this city as people are passing through on their way to Jerusalem. And Bartimaeus is begging, asking for help. And he hears, you imagine being blind, he has to, he has to function by the, the hearing that he has. He can't see anything. So he has to function by what he's hearing. And you can imagine a throng sounds a lot different than a couple of people. So if you actually look over in Luke, Luke's account, he says that he asked, what's going on? And they told him, Jesus is coming. That puts us into verse 47. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he begins to cry out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. The first thing we see is Bartimaeus has a cry for mercy. When he hears that it's Jesus, he cries out to the one, the only one who could give mercy to him. Jesus, have mercy on me. In verse 47, he heard it. He cried out, son of David. Now, this was no ordinary cry. We read the Jesus, son of David. There's implications that are messianic that tells us that Bartimaeus knew of Jesus, had heard that the Messiah had come, the one who was to come and deliver God's people from sin to bring them into the promised land. The Messiah had come, and his name was Jesus. It was this Jesus. Bartimaeus knew Jesus' reputation had preceded him, and we know that faith was working in the heart of Bartimaeus, this blind beggar. And so when he encounters Jesus, he cries out for mercy. 
That's the paradigm for us, isn't it? If you've been walking with Christ and you came to Christ and you remember blind, spiritually begging, in need of Christ, Christ comes and you hear Jesus and you see him in all of his majesty and splendor and you look at yourself in light of who Jesus is. Oh, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Bartimaeus gets it. He uses a messianic call. He knew that this prophecy that the son of David was coming, the Messiah coming through the lineage of David, right? So he was his son, but not only was he a greater son, he was also his Lord. Psalm 110 talks about that. In Matthew 22, we see that David knew that the Messiah was coming from his line, and Bartimaeus cries out in faith in the one he knew to be the Messiah. Jesus is in front of me. Jesus is here. And so today, as we talked about, Robbie mentioned that when we take this communion, ask yourself, do I believe? Do I really believe this? Today, let's ask ourselves, do we believe that we need Jesus? Do we believe that Jesus is our only hope? That Jesus is the only way. He is the life. Jesus is the truth. Today, blind Bartimaeus knew it. He encountered it. He put his hope in Jesus. How different this is as we, you guys were in a few verses last week where it was talking about these sons of thunder, James and John, and they were jockeying for position within Jesus' own kingdom. When Jesus comes to them and he asks them, hey, what, what do you want me to do for you? And what do they pursue? Power, position, prosperity, right? Look at the contrast here. Just a few verses back up between those who were Jesus' disciples, quote unquote, and his right-hand men. Between this blind beggar, Bartimaeus, sitting by the roadside. And we'll find out in a minute what Bartimaeus asks for as Jesus comes to minister to him in a powerful way. Verse 48 Bartimaeus is crying out. This crowd is beginning to hear him, and they're looking around like, man, would somebody shut this idiot up over here? This guy's always crying out. Can we get him to pipe down, please? Many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. And I love this, but he cried out all the more. Bartimaeus cried out all the more. Faith had energized his cry for mercy. Faith energizes us. When we encounter Christ, he gives us a faith that energizes us. No matter what people come and tell us, no matter how they try to tell us to be quiet in the workplace, hey, stop talking about this Jesus in the workplace. Stop talking about this Jesus in the coffee shop. Stop talking about this Jesus with your extended family who doesn't want to hear it, right? They're always wanting to come and throw that wet blanket over Jesus, Bartimaeus, let's be like Bartimaeus today with the faith, the seed of a mustard. Come and let's place our hope in what Jesus has done. This Messiah, Bartimaeus, continues to press on and he cries out when he's rebuked. Son of David, have mercy on me again. He didn't stop, right? One time. Many of us at times cry out to the Lord for something. That we know he's put in our hearts by faith. And so it's not happens right away, right? It doesn't come right away. Jesus always answers. It's sometimes 
Maybe, sometimes yes, sometimes wait, sometimes no. We have to wait on Jesus. But most of the time, what we do, we compress it, we go away. But I love Bartimaeus. He presses in even more. He teaches us to pursue the face of Christ even more because of the faith that he had in Jesus, knowing who he was. In verse 49, Jesus stops and says, Hey, y'all call that guy over there that's making all that noise and crying out. I hear him over there. Call him. And then now the crowd is so fickle, they were telling him before, hey, shut up. You're disturbing this guy. Now they're saying, hey, get him. Come on, have courage. Have, take, take great courage. He's calling you. The teacher wants to see you. And they turn so much, and that's what the crowd does around us, right? They turn so much and so easily do they want to try to distract us, discourage us from following after Christ. If you notice, this world is getting more and more hostile to religion in general, but even to Christianity, where Christianity is trying to be marginalized out, saying that we're intolerant people. That's the opposite of the gospel. That's the opposite of who we are. We should be the most loving people that there are on the face of the planet. John tells us, and the scriptures tell us, that we should be known by our love, right? That's how they will know that we're followers of Christ, And so the crowd's always trying to marginalize us, shut down what we want to do, put our faith in a box. And Bartimaeus teaches us to press on today. This cry for mercy, this faith wells up, energizes him to continue to move on. And Jesus then calls to him. The crowd turns, says, come on. He wants you. And then in verse 50 We see what Bartimaeus does when Jesus calls to Bartimaeus. Throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. There's three things. Action. Bartimaeus, when called by Jesus, throws off his cloak, jumps up, runs to Jesus. That's my appeal to you today. If you're trying to figure out Jesus, if your faith has waned, If this world is just overwhelming you and Jesus comes today, may this voice that I that you hear be the call of Jesus today to come to Jesus. Lay everything aside, whatever's holding you back today. Throw off your cloak, jump up and come to Jesus by faith and receive waves of grace upon grace upon grace crashing over you. When I think about that, I had the the blessing of of going out to California, uh, spending some time in Laguna last year. And I went and stood out with a friend of mine into the waves. And we waited out. And the waves come crashing over me, over. And I had to turn my back because it was hurting. You know, it was just hitting me in the face. I had to turn my back. And these waves came crashing over. And I could barely stand. And that's the picture that I have of God's grace, when we lay down our pride, when we submit to the rule and reign of Christ, humble ourselves and repent, come to him. It's a life now of grace upon grace upon grace. We can't out God's grace. We can't outrun the reach of God's grace. It's over us over and over and over and over. That's what I think of here as he throws off his cloak, jumps up, comes to the life-giving Jesus, the only one who could save, the only one who could heal, 
the only one, the one who Bartimaeus was looking to find hope in. And so if you're hoping in something that can be taken away, it's a false hope. Everything can be taken away. My health can be taken away. My family can be taken away. My job can be taken away. My business can be taken away. My desire to plant a church can be taken away. Everything can be taken away in this life except Jesus. Jesus was and is and is to come before the foundations of the world. He is the one to put all of our hope, to go all in, place all your chips to the middle of the table on Jesus. Bartimaeus did that. He laid aside everything that hindered him, springs up and responds to Jesus by faith. And I encourage you today, don't miss this opportunity to respond to the Spirit of God speaking in this place today to put aside everything that's keeping you, whether it be a relationship that's hindering you from following after Jesus, whether it be someone who hurt you in the past in your life in the church that hurt you and began to make you doubt and and not believe what, that God was there and that he was for you and that he loved you. Whether it be some kind of uh, doubt that you have because you can't rationalize the, the scriptures or can't make sense of this gospel. God's ways are not our ways. We have to humble ourselves under the rule and the kingship of Jesus by faith. And he does the rest. I mean, it's amazing. The sanctification process You've been walking with Jesus. Sanctification is just a big word, fancy word that means making us more like Christ. And I've been walking with Jesus by God's grace for 30 years. And I look now, my wife, we met when we were 12 and got married when we were 15. And no, that's, that's a tomball joke, but, uh, <laughs> but no, we got married pretty early, like, you know, like Robbie and Liz, and uh, we've got four, the four kids. But I can look at my wife now and say, man. Look at what God has done in you. 30 years, you know, 20 years of walking with the Lord. Sanctification, we cannot, the Lord is at work. He's committed to it. First Thessalonians 4 tells us that God's will is our sanctification. So we can't get out of it, right? We could either come kicking or screaming, or we could just yield to the Spirit of God and come along with Him, right? And so that God is faithful to complete the work which He began in us. When we come by faith, go all in on him. He will do it. And I love that Bartimaeus says, I'm going to go after Jesus. Verse 51. He comes to Jesus and then Jesus says to him, what do you want me to do for you? Wow, that's a loaded question, right? What Jesus, the one who made all things, sustains all things by the word of his power. And he's asking, what do you want me to do? Man, there's some things I would ask for that I don't think would be by faith. They would be selfish. They would be out of my own desires to have some things done. And we saw that earlier in James and John. They ask for some of the things that we, I think, tend to get off track and, and think that those things are valuable, that power, you know, prestige, prosperity. But look at what Bartimaeus does here and, and take this in as today that we find ourselves in the story as Bartimaeus. He says, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And really this word rabbi, they translate it rabbi in the ESV. It's really a rabboni. And this implies this greater sense of lordship, this greater sense of the, this master that he's coming up under the rule 
of the Lord and the Master, Jesus Christ. It's the same word that was used when Mary Magdalene was outside of the tomb after the resurrection. Rabboni, when she sees Jesus and she recognizes him and she falls at his feet. Rabboni, you're my Lord and my Master. And this is what, by faith, Bartimaeus responds. Lord and Master, restore my sight, please. That's something that you and I and most of the world have. It's nothing extraordinary, right? It's nothing supernatural for us, but for him, it changed everything. And in asking for a sight, let's see what Jesus does for him. He says, Jesus said, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Your faith has made you well. So he wanted out of this ongoing darkness that defined his life, a blind man begging beside the road, He asked to receive sight, but that's not all. When he confessed and professed Rabboni, he was saved. God's grace came and invaded the spaces of his heart and saved him. And Jesus says, your faith has made you well. That's how all of us come into the kingdom of God, isn't it? It's by faith. We can't figure out God and reason out God enough. And we can't make Jesus cool enough for people to come to him. It's by faith in the power of his spirit that will change our hearts and take a dead person and make them come alive, right? Take an enemy, the scripture says, an enemy. We were enemies of God. But now, by faith, we're sons and daughters. And sons and daughters implies that we have a name place at that table waiting for us. That great marriage supper of the Lamb where there's a table with our name on it. We were once enemies of God, now we're sons and daughters by faith. This is the message of the gospel. This is what Jesus came to do, that he came and he lived a perfect life, right? He died that perfect and gruesome death. He rose victoriously over sin, Satan, and the grave, defeating it once and for all for us. And so for us as believers, those who've placed their hope in Jesus... We will not stop in death. We will leave this life of suffering. We will pass through death and enter into eternity with Jesus. That's the hope of the gospel. That's what Bartimaeus knew. That's what Bartimaeus responded to. It caused him to have faith that energized him into action. Our brother James tells us that faith without action is dead. It's a dead faith. So we need, as we sang, the Spirit of God to move in our hearts. We need the Spirit of God to move in our community. We need the Spirit of God to move in our workplace so that we could see more Bartimaeus has come to know Jesus, to throw down those things that so easily entangle him and come and to become a follower of Jesus. Jesus said, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately, I love that, wasn't no wait. He didn't have to pause and sit around. It's immediate. Other times we do see in Scripture where there was a couple times the man's sight didn't come back immediately. But right here we see immediately he recovers his sight and followed on his way. So think about this day. This is an epic day for Bartimaeus. He was sitting beside the road, a beggar in darkness, enslaved to that life. For years, he leaves seeing the one who created him and now following him. 
It doesn't say he joined him with the crowd and became part of it. It says he became a disciple. He followed him on the way. When we see the true, glorious Christ and all that he is, we see ourselves in light of that. We respond in repentance and faith in him. This is the paradigm discipleship. It's just simply following after Jesus. And then what, what we get to do is in this house and in this family, we get to just say, hey, come follow Jesus with me. That's discipleship. Following Jesus, helping others do the same. Teaching them the love of Jesus. Confessing one another where we're struggling. Receiving grace upon grace. Bartimaeus became the follower. He responded by faith. He doesn't merely just come along and be a part of this thing, the latest craze that's happening with this teacher. He's all in. He's pressed all of his hope in on Jesus. This is the path of true discipleship. He's sharing in the death and resurrection of Christ. If you're a follower of Jesus, that's our path. We're going to share in the death, not only the death, but the resurrection. To eternal life in God. And Bartimaeus tells us we have a big need, a lot of us. We have needs all in this place today. My question for us today is what do you need from Jesus today? Bartimaeus, he needed sight, he needed to be able to see. But many of us here, we're struggling with physical ailments, we're struggling with brokenness in our hearts. We're struggling with broken relationships. We're struggling with trying to make ends meet. We're struggling in all areas, with our children, in our marital lives. We're struggling. Some of us are struggling with our faith, struggling to believe that Jesus loves us and that Jesus wants us to come to him and receive the grace that he has for us. So what do you need today from Jesus? We're going to have some time to respond. And we need to ask ourselves, do we believe that Jesus is who he says he is? And he wants for us what he says he wants for us. That's faith. Knowing what God says, believing it, taking him at his word, and following him in that way. The simplicity of faith. This is the power of the gospel on display today. Bartimaeus saved from sin. When we put our hope in Jesus, he takes us as we are, broken and busted up people. We're blind. We're beggars. Before God, all of us are beggars. All of us are in need saving grace. And guess what? The good news is it's available to you today. It's available. Come to Jesus. When Jesus calls, don't miss this moment. Respond to him. Put anything aside. Spring up. And come to him today. I want to implore you. Once blinded by sin and death. He's now given new eyes to see him. New eyes to behold. The king of kings. The lord of lords. And to be called sons and daughters of God. Everyone who calls. On the name of the lord will be saved. Not all will call. So. That's a great note to take to your heart. Everyone who calls will be saved. What grace. Will you cry out like Bartimaeus today? Lord, have mercy on me today. Let's pray. Oh God, we
need you. We love you. Thank you for your mercy and grace that is waves upon waves. God, that you sought us in our broken state. You rescued us from sin and shame and death and now have set us apart to be ambassadors of mercy and grace in this life, God. Thank you for your love. Thank you, God, for the grace and the power of the gospel. Thank you for Jesus, for opening our eyes to see him for who he really is. God, I pray that you move in your church today, that they would, Father, take this truth, that they would stir, that you would massage it into their hearts, into their minds, God, that they would love you, serve you. And for those who don't know you, God, I pray right now that your spirit would move upon them, that they would come to know you in a powerful way. We love you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for this time. It's for your beautiful name we pray. Amen.